Hello there. Welcome to the Thriving Family Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. It's Teresa and Barbara. We're so happy you're here. We know how many great podcasts are out there, and we're grateful that you're taking the time to hang out with us in a supportive space to fill your cup and elevate your life. This podcast is about parenting, but a lot about taking care of you as the parent. We are the captain of our family ship, so the better we feel, the more smooth sailing there is for everyone. We really want to discuss the tough and awkward subjects that we all come across in parenting, especially with school-aged and older kids. We're here with you through all the peaks and valleys to hold space for you through all the feels and to help make sure you always put on your own oxygen mask first. Our hope is that you know you're never alone in parenting and that we're here to support you at every stage. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you, and we provide new content every week. If you have a question for us, please reach out on Instagram at Thriving Family Podcast. We're here for you, so let us know what topics would be helpful and that you're interested in. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with family and friends. If you leave a review, you'll have the opportunity to win a gift that we absolutely love. We'll tell you more about it at the end of the episode. Let's get started. We really enjoyed our conversation with Christy Batzer on today's episode. She is just such a guiding light. Not only is her personal journey incredible, but she is also a holistic nurse coach specializing in somatic therapy. And she guides her clients through stress, trauma, chronic illness, and addiction recovery. She also supports families through end-of-life transitioning. Christy has worked in the healthcare industry for 20 years, primarily as a registered nurse and is very science-based. She has so many other helpful modalities and certifications in her wheelhouse as well, like heart math, vibrational sound healing, meditation, and breath work. She talks about her gongs and even shows us a really quick and easy heart math exercise to help keep us grounded throughout the day. All of these things can be so helpful for regulating the nervous system. We hope you enjoy this episode and share the joy with your friends. Thank you, Christy, so much for joining us today. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I've known you for a number of years, and we've had so many amazing conversations. To be able to share some of your hope, your light with everyone is just so amazing today. So thank you. Thanks, Teresa. I appreciate that. I'm glad you guys have me on. Yeah. So. I know that you have this nursing background that is actually quite unique in terms of what you've done from a little bit more of a dark space from a nursing perspective, and you have such a vast background. I'm hoping that you can start just by letting us know what that is. Yeah, so I am a registered nurse. There's so many things, and through that is my own personal journey through healing and transformation. My childhood was pretty dark and my, like, this is what's kind of led to this is because somehow I got onto a child abuse team and reality of my situation and how nursing trains us to be dehumanized. Right. And everything I've done has been really dark nursing. It wasn't labor and delivery. I, I worked in ICU. Everyone was dying and on life support and there was traumas. But then there's, there's like gifts of teaching moments. Like, I guess it's like, how can I find the light? I don't need to get into the stories, but like, it's new for me to share that. 
And I think the reality is a lot of us do struggle with addiction or we have had abuse. Yeah. And I do love that piece. I mean, I love so many things that you were doing, but I was really drawn to that piece of addiction because we, I mean, I think everyone can relate to that in some sort of fashion, whether it's like alcohol, drugs, shopping, you know, we're addicted to like affirmations or having outward forces making us feel good, or there's just some sort of addiction. I think most people can relate to, and it stems from something. I think a lot of people, and again, Teresa and I love covering the topics that not a lot of people talk about, but are so relatable and like the human experience. The one thing that always like, I'm like kind of quiet about it, but at the end of the day, like I'm a story of hope. You know, I was a street kid and now I'm helping people. I think that's the biggest thing is that in our society, we're stuck on labels. We're stuck on diagnoses and then that's it. But I'm coming from that functional root cause lens of, but why? And I was a, but but why kid? That's why I didn't believe in religion. I was like, but why, why is there dinosaurs and they're not in the Bible, but why, you know? So, I mean, functional medicine and root cause just fit with my type of brain. So I think I wanted to talk about maybe attachment theories, dysregulated nervous systems, those all link into behaviors, addictions, you know, stressed out parents, all that stuff and how heart math can help that heart math is just so easy. I mean, there's so many things you can do, but coaching my moms that was like, so far has been their leg fucking love it. That's really who you're talking to. You're talking to people like you. I mean, I wasn't raised like you, but I can relate to you for sure. (laughs) And so knowing that you are positively affecting these people with your powerful story and where you've come from and that you are hope and that I think it takes a badass to be able to sit in darkness and bring the light. Like that is beyond. That's what I am. And that's what this gong, even Pluto even represents that. So it's kind of. So embodies what I do. The badass that you are, just know that your message is affecting people in the best way possible. You were commenting on, this is not a story where I've been in, you know, childbirth, birthing rooms. It's been from a little bit more of a dark space. Sure. Really drawn to the science of nursing. Like I didn't like any of the fluffy kind of stuff. I was more of that intense kind of person. So that led me to the intensive care unit. So five years in adult ICU. And then at that time I transitioned into neonatal and children's ICU. And it was kind of a funny transition for me as well, because I'm, I'm, I chose not to be a mom. I don't, I'm not around a lot of kids. I like, it was just like a, I needed to scare myself. I think I was getting a little bit bored in adult ICU as well as I felt a lot of ethical conflicts in it, because although it was amazing, I really saw how science just kind of stepped in and really took the nature of life away. And at that time, I guess I couldn't understand or I couldn't articulate what it was that wasn't sitting right. But there was, I just felt that sometimes it just felt so wrong what we were doing to bodies. And there was a time to let go and let life take its pace, you know. And then I went into pediatrics, not having any idea. And again, I was still faced with a lot of ethical decisions because there's so many metabolic disorders and birth defects and things that you don't see because sometimes these children don't survive past a certain age, right? So 
I did that for quite some time and was trained to go on the flight team. And then I had a pretty significant car accident and I just couldn't work in the spaces that were provided with my injuries. So then I transitioned and went on a child abuse team with the Calgary Police and Child and Family Services. And I loved it. I'm good at that stuff. All through my nursing career, I also worked in addiction centers. Like I did a two-year contract up north in an ICU. And so I worked at the Northern Addiction Center. So all these things were in my wheelhouse. And so the child abuse team really fit. I worked with children, a newborn to three months of age. So my history in the NICU, I'm not trained as a lactation consultant, but like, even like if anybody needs to learn how to breastfeed, I'm your woman, you know, like, so like all those skills of helping new moms parent and cope within their stressors, as well as having that lens of addiction, domestic violence, abuse, all that kind of stuff sort of came together in that job. And it was really good, but it, at that time, I had a lot of stuff happening in my life. And I think that was the brick wall that forced me to change my life. And so I quit nursing for a year. And that's when I sort of transitioned into developing this stuff. I didn't last long. I went back after a year, but that's where my end of life specialization came into is because after a lot of reflection, I just really realized that I was more in tune with nature, the cycles of nature. And although I may not have a huge religious background, and honestly, I'm a little afraid of death, I'm that person. I'm kind of also really obsessed with that and obsessed with holding space for people. And so I went into hospice work and being a case manager in palliative home care. And that was one job that I felt as a nurse that you could meet the people where they were at and help them along that journey because there's an acceptance piece at that moment, you know, like when someone's in ICU and hooked up to life support, their families are holding on. Like, could you imagine saying, let, let's call this, let, you know, like the stress that that must put on a family. So when someone's at end of life, it's a way different lens. And so it's quite a beautiful, it's painful for people for sure. But for me, all those years of dealing with trauma and death, I was just made for that job, I think. Wow. I mean, I'm just listening to everything you've done. And Are you crying? <laughs> Aw, you're so it's, nice. It's a lot. And I think yeah. it's, it, I love when you get to talk to people that do you know, it takes all types and it's what makes our world so amazing. And that you can, again, hold space for people in the worst place of their lives when they're losing a loved one or when they're in a traumatic situation or an abusive situation. I mean, we need people like you. And is that a skill set I have? Absolutely not. But I am grateful for you being such a, a power in that space. And it, that's a lot. I am impressed with how you can hold it and not take it on. And I'm sure it's healing as well to be able to be there for someone. I'm sure like that just helps you reflect, but uh, you bring up a um, addiction and I know you have a lot of experience with addiction. And I think that's such a good topic that almost all of us can relate to. Cause when you say the word addiction, immediately we think of like drug or alcohol, but right. really, it is shopping. It is like, you know, 
whether it's eating, it's filling our ourselves in some sort of way that's not the best way. And so I think a lot of people can relate in some sort of way to a form of addiction. Can you go into that and how you support sure. people and like some helpful tips if, if someone's in a bad space or seeing a pattern or anything like that? Well, it was interesting. You were commenting how like thanking me for being able to do that and hold space for that. But there was coping mechanisms that were maladaptive that I see globally with healthcare workers. And so, you know, addiction is part of my story. And like you said, addiction, like we have this idea in society and there's like this huge judgment and it's like, oh, addicts or alcoholics, those are substances, but we're looking at addictions. Like you've mentioned, they're called process addictions. That's people that are gaming addicted to their phone, the dopamine surge that you get when people like your posts, your shopping addiction. Gambling. Gambling is one of the most destructive and fast destructive like addictions out there. And so, you know, as a society, we need to start holding space for all of that and all behaviors that have some kind of sense of shame, of lying, of hiding, of things going on. Like it's not a normal behavior. It's okay to shop, but if you're shopping and hiding your purchases from your family, getting multiple credit cards in secret debt. Like there's a whole thing to it, you know, but we seem to think that that's okay. I want to be very sensitive to like gender pronouns. So I'm just going to be really like generic in this interview, but I do hold space for that. But this, the mom's club, like Rose every day, like it's kind of horseshit. If you have to drink to cope with parenting, something's going on. Something's going on in our society where we are needing to numb out. And I heard lots of your people that you've interviewed, the idea of talking about our nervous system is coming on board. Mm -hmm. And so addiction isn't about the person being flawed or having a defect of character. I know this might be controversial for some addiction models and I hold space for all, but my personal belief is I do think that certain brains are shown to react a certain way, certain ethnicities react based on enzymes to alcohol. I don't believe that addiction is a disease. When, when that word, that comment makes me feel like there's no hope and there is hope. I think that as um, these amazing humans in the nervous system world and neurobiology are coming out with more information on the vagus nerve or polyvagal theory. I think if people just really understood how their nervous system works based on their unique history, that we can gain mastery over our reactions and behaviors. But what we've done as a society is we've completely numbed out. We don't want to feel and right. we have to go through the feeling. We have to feel it. So when people aren't dealing with their emotions, then the tendency to develop a bad kind of behavior, which is an addiction in any form kind of comes on then because they're trying to make up for that space of hiding from an emotion. Yeah. I mean, I think that's such a complicated question. Okay. This is where the attachment theory comes in. Right. And early childhood adverse events come in and how yeah. that may predispose an individual. We're also looking, I just was listening to a podcast the other day and, and some people 
like this idea of ancestral trauma or people saying, oh, anxiety is genetic in my family. Again, I don't buy that because I think I have hope that that can change. But if you think of a really stressed out mom living in poverty or even a mom that's been pregnant within the last couple of years, the amount of stress that's been going on globally, and she has a baby girl, that baby girl is born with every like egg that she's gonna have. So that woman is holding her grandchildren, her grandchildren genetically, or I don't know if that's the right word, are getting that vibration of stress. And so that's like, if you think of how things are passed on, so it's so complicated. Are things learned behaviors? Is it a way the nervous system, if this child has had a disorganized, anxious, avoidant attachment style, all of a sudden they have to feel something or when their nervous system is in a state of hypervigilance, it's very uncomfortable. It's, it's really a brilliant way. Like addicts, it's a brilliant way to take them out and to go back into that window of tolerance. Right. So that's they're getting that high and they're getting that like good, like you said, that dopamine rush, like that they're getting the good feeling. It's easier than dealing with the emotion that's there. It's like right. avoidance. And, and it is, like you said, it's so, I love that there's more awareness. I love that there's more communication about people starting to deal with their feelings and the awareness of the vagus nerve. I mean, heck, I just learned about it. I'm <laughs> like, right. you know, when we had breath work on it and, and just the picture she painted of breathing and how that can calm everything and how it's so connected. So important that we do take care of ourselves on the smaller level I mean, I remember likening it to a boiling pot of water. So if you keep the lid on, it's just going to blow off. Whereas if you let out steam by doing the self-care that we always try and, you know, it plays such importance on. So we don't go to those areas of gambling or shopping or, and you were saying earlier, like how the mom, you know, it's like become a joke online. It's become- There's t-shirts. Oh yeah. like- and, and in a way it's like, you know, people use jokes to cope. It is a form of awareness and communication, but it is, it isn't in the best form. Like, you know, the Amazon day or whatever that was. And there's like, oh, hide the package, hide the package. And so that's that, you know, not great behavior of hiding what we're buying and then drinking during the day and everything. But I think always the awareness is key and learning that at the base of this, if we are dealing with our big feels and emotions, which we all have, cause there's stressors everywhere and every, I don't care where you are in life. We're going to have those stressors or we just naturally bring them on that. It's so good for you to point out. I love that of like at the base of this, it's like the night iceberg at the base of it is these feelings that we just need to learn to deal with and handle. So we're not finding that mm-hmm. that good feeling in somewhere else. When you work with people, what are you, some of your top things that you tell them to start to deal, which, and I love that you don't call it a disease. I love that you look at things with a glass half full, that there's a way to get out of it. And I think that's it. It's like, you are that shining beam of hope for people, but what are the key things that you help your clients with? The number one thing is you've got to poop. I'm sorry. As a nurse, I need to tell people you need to be pooping. Everything isn't just like breath work is fine. We need to poop once or twice a day, people like I'm telling you, 
because we, we still are not in functional medicine, but I have a client who's a psychology student and she brought up gut health and they were like, what? Okay. Our head and our body are attached and our gut has the exact same neurotransmitters as our brains. So I mean, we can offer all these like take moments of self-care, but we need to get our house sorted. And so sure, you may not want to go gluten-free or paleo or whatever, but doing your best to fuel your body with non-packaged food, right? And easy steps looking at the dirty dozen. If you can't eat all organic doing that. But you need right. to be fueling your body and your toxins need to come out. They come out through your poop. So if you're not pooping, where are those toxins going? They're going to cause a leaky gut. It's going to cause proteins to go into your blood and neuroinflammation. And you're not going to be able to resource yourself if your body's inflamed. And I, I, everybody's looking at labels of diseases and I see everything as like, we are inflamed. We are living in a toxic environment. Mm -hmm. Yes, we need, we're, we're going to have to adapt, right? Like I feel like humans are viruses on the earth and we will like adapt to this, but we, we need to do better at decreasing the inflammation. But I, I really think that food, pooping, sleep are the basis. If, if you're on your phone, sweat because it's funny a lot of my mom clients or mom friends I don't see them on social medias until late at night and I'm getting messages at 11 o'clock I'm like uh I was in bed hours ago yo <laughs> like why aren't you trying to sleep because if you're looking at blue light you're not helping your brain and your brain has like it's got a lymphatic system that also drains. And that is part of your drainage pathways, being able to sleep, helping the neurotoxins come out through those pathways. So that's the other thing, like just basic steps of getting stuff in order first. I and love that because even you just saying poop, it's just the most simple form of what that encompasses, which is health and eating the right things because I mean, I love it. I love it because it makes it super simple. And we've had Dr. Pam on and she definitely covers that. Oh, did she oh. talk about poo? Maybe well, I didn't hear that one. To, she hasn't said it like you, which you made it very fun. And like, I definitely have a visual. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, she talks about how important the sleeping is and eating right. And, but it's, I love that you bring it up too, because it is, it's all connected. And that when you take care of your basis, it's all, you know, it just trickles out from there. And there is, unfortunately, there is a lot of toxins in our food and our environment and making sure you check in and poop every day. I mean, I know we had someone on and their self-care was making sure they went to the bathroom when they needed to go, because that to them made them know that they were checking in with their body. They were listening to their body. And, you know, that was their kind of trigger. And I'm like, that is so good because, and pooping can be someone's like, have I pooped today? I mean, I do it with my kids. I'm like, have you pooped today? Because then I know you're functioning normally. Right. You know, in days we're in trouble. Like something needs to change. So I love that you make, you just like so frank and just, yeah, it like it, but it's so spot on. I love it. I love and it. And to piggyback off that lady's comment about the bathroom, that's literally actually my go-to advice for clients because 
you know, especially again on social media, these realities that are painted that, you know, this life coach is showing pictures of her smudging and up at five and doing card readings and meditation seven hours before her children are up. It's horseshit. That's not how people do it. People are out of bed with like running full tilt, screaming at their kids, throwing them out the door barely putting clean underwear on and, you know, messy pony and out to work. And so you just described Teresa and me like Teresa. Well, isn't that like all parents in in a way, right? Right. But Teresa actually is that mom that gets up early and is. Oh, sorry. The anomaly. But um, there aren't many. She's what I strive for, but I'm more like. But some people can't though. Okay. But. But I needed to create the habit in the first place. I, I, I made a decision a few years ago to do that. And I made myself a morning person. I literally changed the habit. And I think that it just depends on what your values are. Truly, but, right? but that's like exactly what it is, right? It's about small manageable steps. So you just didn't come to that point. And so when I'm dealing with most parents that live in a way like I just explained it's like taking and oftentimes when you have little ones you don't have privacy right like your bathroom is the only place where there's a locked door where a parent can get a little time out and so that's really one of my main coaching tips and that starts the habit and it's so while you're on the toilet I teach them heart coherence breathing with heart math you are like switched into coherence like so quick and it's changed parents' lives. So they're like, they start implementing it. When their snooze goes off, they do heart math in bed before their second snooze alarm to just get in a coherent state before they start their day. Then every bathroom break, they're doing a little check-in and those little steps start building that muscle of in somatic work, what we call interception or just that body mindfulness so that it gets easier. And then it gets to the point where probably like Teresa, you're addicted to self-care. Like I, like I'm down in my sound studio, but like, like I have to come down here and in my days, it's not all mm, breathing. Like some days I'm chanting or bashing the gongs or stretching or just laying around and like with my cats, but it's like, it's how I'm regulating. It doesn't have to be this perfect Buddhist posture. It just really isn't. I think too, I've talked to my psychologist about addiction and exercise because I've always been really into exercise and then now it's transitioned to a fair amount more in terms of the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts on this because her response to me was well it depends how it's really impacting your lifestyle and I feel that this relates back to even drinking alcohol or what, whatever the drug is of your choice. Right. Right. So I guess like painting a picture of of my life, I had a very difficult childhood. I was on my own when I was 15. I was an emancipated minor. I was a couch surfing street kid. I had this whole life, which, you know, I'm sharing that because it's led me to where I am now. So then I, you know, am somewhat resilient and fought through. And when I moved to British Columbia, I had, you know, a few adults that I would consider earth angels that gently held space for me. And that allowed me to be a nurse and all those things and got me to where I am today. 
But in that, so with my attachment issues and my having a higher adverse childhood event score led me to addiction through, you know, 25 years of that, of me medicating and helping me oscillate in that window of tolerance to cope with stress. Then I was an ICU nurse, super intense, working night shifts, go, go, go. And, you know, I went from being homeless to make and bank, right? And so, and, and that, that identity of, well, this is what I'm doing. So getting addicted to that, getting addicted to making money and feeling financial freedom. I also was a very intense exerciser. I you know, I had difficulty with night shifts and then I found yoga in 2009. And then I didn't just do yoga once in a while. I was like, you know, I anger and Ashtanga five days a week. I was running every day. I was lifting weights. I was, so even though I was living this lifestyle that was unhealthy, I also was so focused on health. It was like, as if it balanced the two out. Right. And it wasn't until after the child abuse team, when that really, I'm like teaching families about domestic violence and addiction. And I'm like, I'm a fraud. I'm a fucking fraud. Like this is like, or I was like using these words like trauma. And I'm like, why do they have trauma? And I don't, I have the exact same light. Like it was this weird thing where I was starting to unravel all this stuff, because even though I saw, I sought out counselors from time to time. And, you know, I was very honest no one used that languaging for me. So I was like separate from that. So it was like, once I put everything together and I got sober, my nervous system collapsed. And so that was when I was diagnosed formally with PTSD. And then through that health issues came up. And so a long way to get to that point, my exercising, again, I had things going on with my nervous system and I think we all do, but there's a point where it creates burnout. And if these things like our bodies can only compensate for so long, and if you're not regulating your nervous system, the chances of you getting an autoimmune disease, like MS is skyrocketed, right? And, and so when it comes to exercise, it's super healthy, but now it's like, I literally can't the way I used to, because that is so dangerous to my autoimmune illness. And so coming back now to this place of lifting heavy weights is still really important, but that high intensity, that like almost that hypervigilance to exercise really, it shone the light on my health issues. It just shone the light of how maladaptive that is. And because it, it also was coming out of a sense of control, like people with eating disorders, I was controlling how my body looked, you know, I was controlling how I performed. And, you know, that's out of everything in, in my life, that's been the biggest struggle is managing like my body now, what my body's like now, and I don't have the choice, I have, I have to rest or I don't function. And so that's a very extreme side of it. But I, I really through my own lived experience, just really want people to understand like how important rest is. Like, like you don't have to fill your day. You don't have to fill your weekend. Like, because if you're doing that, your kids aren't learning that rest is okay, right? Like you're mirroring behavior, you're mirroring hypervigilance. And then that is like taken on by your kid and everyone's striving and trying 
to accomplish something. And it's like the chance that your kid's going to be in the NHL is pretty fucking slim. So why don't you relax and go play outside? You know, like go, go chill. So true. And (laughs) I really appreciate you sharing your story because I think people can relate when they hear some where someone's come from. And it is so interesting, especially because you've been able to be in those spaces that are, you know, not everyone can be in and be with the people in abuse and people in ICU and in those really uncomfortable spaces for a lot of people that you're able to do that, especially from where you came from is huge. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, you talked a lot about how you've had addictive to different things. And I'm curious, where is the line, like from when you're really into something? And I, I mean, I like, wine. I like to drink with my friends. I don't think I use it as like a coping. Sometimes you're just like, I just need a drink, but when do you, and I'm just using that or shopping or whatever it is gambling. When, where's the line from when, like, how do you know when it's a habit and how do you know when it's something you need to watch out for? I know earlier you said when you're hiding it and that is, I would think that's a good tell. Is there any other things that people like a good kind of thing to watch out for when it's something you're into like exercise or shopping when it's getting kind of taking over in your life I think that's the key word is it taking over your life is there an obsession behind it you know um it's a hard answer to just say if it's three drinks a week you're fucked right right like it's, it's just like if you spend two hundred dollars a day you're right. fucked you can't right. I, I can't answer that I don't know if I believe in like standard things and you're right sometimes you just want to take the edge off right like but can you have a drink because if I needed to take the edge off my glass of wine was a giant bottle of wine it was in a beer mug and then it led to you know, 12 hours of drinking and doing drugs and, you know, got it. destructive behavior or whatever. And that might be an extreme, but it's sort of like, can you go with your friend and have a nice tasteful glass of wine and then leave it? Got it. And what's the mental, I guess, I think that's the real thing in addiction, right? Or in the recovery community, where's your mental obsession? Can, are you waking up and it's nine o'clock on at work and you're like, I can't wait to get home and have a beer. Why is that? You know, or if you missed a workout and then you start abusing yourself by restricting your diet the following day, I question that. I had a client that you know, had a good weekend and then went on a water fast. I'm like, that's I like I, to each their own. I see that as abuse and only my understanding of like your body needs like fuel. And so like, why are you punishing yourself? So what you had a good weekend with your friends, right? So those types of things. But if you don't have that insight, you may think that's normal. So that I guess that's the trick, right? It's having that insight and that inner awareness of like, are you abusing your body? And having that awareness, like you said, comes from that stillness of not keeping ourselves so busy because I think that's a coping mechanism as well. Like the addiction to just doing- Well, that's everything. your nervous system. That's you're, yeah. you're in hypervigilance mode, right? You are up here, you're going. And, and I see, I, I fear in the collective. So I want to clarify, you know, Stephen Porges definition of trauma, because people are like, well, I don't have trauma. I didn't have an abusive home life or I wasn't in war. Trauma isn't the event. 
it's a buildup or an overwhelm of energetic stress within the body that can't be dispersed and is not have a witnessed, like attuned caregiver present during that event to help you attune and regulate. So there is a massive global dysregulation whether you see, I think there's an overuse of the word trauma, but I think collectively losing jobs, losing life, losing friendships, losing security, that's traumatic. And that's on a global thing. And I know it was summer this summer, but you see, like, I can't get in touch with everyone because everyone's so busy. And I see this as almost like a dysregulated, hypervigilant state of we need to do everything because it's this cat- catastrophic idea of we don't know what's next. So hopefully with your podcast and giving this information out to people about rest, that people start tapping into rest because it's uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And people can't do it. They can't sit still. They can't stop their mind. And it's not about stopping your mind. It's just being with it, Mm -hmm. just being with that. Which is scary sometimes when you're trying to avoid something or a big feeling, or like you said, when you finally hit that wall, when, you know, from your addiction and everything that it took over your body, but it's like, you don't have to get to that point. You can let the steam out a little bit at a time mm-hmm. and, and deal with those emotions and sit in the stillness and be taking care of your diet, your rest, and, and, and just have a lot more of that stillness in your life. I know that's, I I've said it before, but I feel like that's what COVID like one of the awarenesses that it brought for me is that we were living this like crazy busy, you know, we have three kids. It was like, we were in all the sports. We were in all the things. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Parents probably had, we're, we're for families were forced to pause maybe. Yeah. Which there was so much goodness in that. And I, I heard that from a lot of people and just that connection and being able to be together. And so I really wanted to take something away from that. Like you said, it's, this was such a crazy busy summer because things have opened up. Life is back in full swing. And I do agree with you. I think people are like, oh, if it shuts down again, I want to make sure I do all the thing. But I'm really trying to hold what our, one of our takeaways was on the weekend, we used to do something socially Friday and Saturday. And now I'm like, okay, we're trying to do just one night. So the other night is with our family in that quiet, calm stillness. So we can have that connection. Cause I know my kids feel dysregulated if they haven't got that time with us, just the five of us on Sunday. And then the whole week is screwed, you know? So I think it's so good what you're bringing up and really being aware of the stillness, especially with things opening up and, and this train that we all jump on of this, like, go, 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 go. Cause then it's so easy to run from what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I don't feel enough. Maybe I'm just, you know, I, I don't feel like I have worked out enough or I'm avoiding this, or I'm d- doing this. It's like, we're just running and where we'd really feel more full and not have to make up for it. If we just took care of ourselves poop, sleep. Poop. I love it. It's like, I want to just, I need like some kind of logo with gongs and poop. Cause that's just Seriously. Like my two it main things. So it is so true. I mean, TMI, but like if I've gone, 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 or if I'm traveling or if I'm off my schedule and I haven't, you feel like crap and you know, and you're like, Oh, what a good barometer. Of- because you need to crap. I need to crap. And I am full of crap. And I need to get the <sighs> crap out. Yes. So it is such a good daily thing of being like, have I pooped? If I haven't, 
whoa, what am I doing? Have I drank 10 cups of coffee and not eaten the good things and, you know, all the things. You introduce heart math. And I know you were mentioning it's busy parents that you were talking about. Is there a coincidence though that you are starting it on the toilet? Because we were just talking about- I like potty training. It's sort of like switching to a regulated state in the easiest possible way. So when you're a busy parent, that was it. It was just because that's the time that you can lock the door and take a minute. The same with that work, because this isn't a big meditation session that you need to do. You don't need to have a specific environment. You just need somewhere where you can feel collected. The same thing if you go, I used to just go out into my car and do it or Usually I would do mantra, but like go out into my car and just have a moment. Cause I had one client and I could see like, she was visibly vibrating with that, you know, what people call anxiety. I could tell that she had that. And then she was like, oh, she's like, that was so amazing. And I was like, how long do you think that was? Probably like 15 minutes. I'm like three, dude. Like, and she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, let's incorporate that into your life. And then I don't know, a week later, she like quit her job. Her kid was doing heart math with her. Her kid was reminding her, mom, I think it's time we should do our heart math. The kids are brilliant. But it just that little bit of self-care switch. I love that you paint the picture of how someone can do it. For me, it helps when you paint the picture of, okay, you can do this when you go to the bathroom. And then I start doing it because it's like, oh yeah, this is where I could be doing this. When they're in the bathroom in that short three minute thing, what could someone be doing? The reason why I like heart math so much, there's so many techniques to help regulate your nervous system. And that's really what I'm trying to help clients do. When you're emotionally dysregulated or you're super like an activated state where you're being more reactive with your partner or reactive with your kids, or feeling like you're going to blow up at work and, or you start getting brain fog and like, uh, like for me, I'll start like stuttering or I just, you know, you're reading the same thing and you're kind of like not functioning. What it, it brings you back into coherence. What coherence and what heart math does it, they've been around for 30 years, scientifically studying the importance of the heart and how there is a brain in your heart almost. And how I relate that with everything that I learn is it's similar to the vagus nerve because the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve. It's in your face and it like innervates all your major organs. And again, like I had brought up gut health, everyone thinks that your brain is thinking things, right? And sending those messages to your body. The brain does 20% of that. Your body sends 80 to 90% of information. So like I said, your gut has the same neurotransmitters as your brain. And so heart math has worked out heart rate variability. And when you're in coherence, that is a state of flow. It's a state where your body systems are all firing together in a smooth, regulated state. I call it like that flow state when everything's just happening as it should. Everything is easy and working and functioning. And that is like a regulated state. And so when someone is dysregulated, whether they are in the dorsal vagal state of the parasympathetic or in the sympathetic nervous system in a, in a hypervigilance, a fight or flight state, then they're dysregulated. They're out of coherence. And you can measurably see that on the way they look and under the cardiac wave, they can see that. So when you bring attention to your heart, and so I'll 
we could just do a quick heart coherence exercise to bring us into a coherent state. You're just bringing that attention to the heart. You're offering a connection to your breath and to your heart. And I have a monitor when I work with clients to show them that how quick they turn into. And so the, the reason why is like, you have to have the awareness that you're dysregulated. And that's the key to everything is having that awareness and be able to go to that bathroom. You know, the thing is, is that sometimes everybody's just going to the bathroom. That might be the training, the Pavlovian training of, oh, I can do my heart math to the point where it becomes a routine. And then you start noticing because what happens is if you're practicing every time you go to the bathroom, you get into a coherent state, you notice when you're dysregulated because it's like, oh, this feels yucky. And so then you're like, oh, I want to go to coherence. Then you can just do the breathing. Could you go into, I know you said you had a three minute way that you can get to that. Yeah, we can just do a heart breath exercise. Yeah, Yeah. because I think especially for busy parents or no matter where you are, we do live busy lives in three minutes works for me. Yeah. The most simplest thing to remember is that I know other people have talked on your podcast. So we, we all know in the most like basic way to present the information, your vagus nerve, there is a sympathetic branch that's responsible for our activation, our mobilization. It gets a bad rap, but without it, we wouldn't be able to play. We wouldn't be able to. So the sympathetic is great. We don't want to be stuck in the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, the rest and digest actually has two branches. So there's the one, the ventral vagal state, which is our flow state, our calm, we're feeling connected with people, but there's also a maladaptive state of more of that shutdown, freeze, dissociated. And so how to trigger those, the easiest way to remember our inhale is for our sympathetic or activation and the exhale is our rest and digest. So if anything, if a parent can't take a time out, just lengthen your exhales. Again, you have to catch yourself feeling shitty or acting shitty. You catch yourself and you acknowledge it with compassion because you are human, right? Like no one's perfect. I tell people, if you recognize that you're being kind of shitty, give yourself a high five because that's the first step. Without that, you have nowhere to go. Right. So that's the one thing. And then lengthen your exhale. You could do anything in the day. Just lengthen your exhale. Keep coming back to letting it out. So for heart coherence, if you guys are comfortable, we can just do a quick one right now. This is like one of just the most basic kind of first step in heart math is called the heart focused breathing technique. And this is something I really think all heart mass skills should be taught in schools and they are starting new initiatives like that. But this is just one of the quickest things as a somatic body worker, I really see the benefit because it connects you to your physical body. So sometimes when we're agitated, we're not feeling the sensations and this brings us in. Yeah. So if you guys and our listeners want to just take a comfortable seat, if you're safe to do so. And again, if it's comfortable closing your eyes, and if that doesn't feel safe for you, you can have your eyes open and just gently gazing down. And then if it feels safe for you to do so, offering your hands to your heart space, just or your chest there. And it just adds like a little bit of gentle pressure and compassion. 
And as you're connecting here, begin to breathe as if you could breathe from the space of your heart. As if your heart was inhaling and exhaling. And as you're breathing here from the space of your heart, noticing that your breath begins to slow and deepen just at a comfortable rate and rhythm for yourself. And continuing to bring your awareness to your heart, inhaling and exhaling from this space. Maybe taking a moment to think of something rejuvenating, something that brings joy, like a pet or a small human, a place in nature. And taking one more deep breath here. Exhale, letting it out. And just coming back to the space when you're ready. I am so calm. That was like two minutes. I dragged it out. <laughs> wow. It's amazing, right? Yeah, like the imagining breathing through your heart. That's really nice. For any of us in our 40s, I always like, I tell kids or I tell my adults, I'm like, imagine you're like a Care Bear. So the amazing thing with Heart Math Institute, because they are like doctors, psychologists, it's all scientific research. So as you know, if you've ever been to a hospital or know someone with seizures, you can have EEGs on your head or ECGs on your heart because we have electromagnetic frequencies in, in those areas. Your brain frequency emits about an inch. Your heart is three feet. So wow. what we did just now, when you do that, your heart frequency, your state of coherence is going to be vibrationally felt by your children, let's say. So why I love this is that Life isn't easy, but this is something that's so quick to switch you into a state of coherence. You don't need to go to therapy to get regulated, right? Like you can do something so simple and then come back to your people, your situation, your environment, and literally affect the energy in the room. And they have lots of research studies. They do studies where someone will be the main coherent creator. I don't know what the word is, but the person holding space. And then there's people in different areas and they measure and everybody's hooked up to the EM wave thing. And so like I can create coherence to the group. And so, and their systems go from dysregulated to regulated, not by doing anything, but my energetic frequency. And they're also researching how 
we are so connected to mother earth and that, you know, mother earth is like magnetic energy as well. And so they have, I think there's 11 different towers throughout the world in major cities and they are measuring how humans frequency is actually affecting her. And so it's just really fascinating stuff. So for people that, are more questioners aren't necessarily bought into the super spiritual world or some of these people talking about this or that, that doesn't make logical sense. To me, this makes logical sense because it's measurable. And so, you know, and, and working in ICU, I would see that in parents that were like, of course they're everybody's stressed when their little one is on life support, but our kids were on monitors and you would, I would walk into a room and I think because I was a yogi, I was more attuned to energy, but, and I kept things calm. That's how I dealt with stress is getting really quiet and keeping things really low. Cause it was how I could control the parent, right? Like, cause I wasn't just nursing a child. I had a hysterical parent, hopefully not, but you know, and so it was about like connecting with the parent and you would see the baby's heart rate go down, or you could see, go into a room that was pure chaos. And I would be like, okay, time out. Let's bring it down. So it was sort of like that intrinsic knowing, but you know how our energies affect things, you know, it's like yeah. a real measurable thing. Yeah. And you can really feel it. And I can see how that would affect your kids in the best way possible in your whole family environment. And if you're stressed at work, like if you just take a minute and you go to the restroom or wherever you find your spaces, like you said, you had gone to your car too and just be able to just reset yourself. And then what that gives out. Cause don't you feel like you have a smile right now? I kind of feel tingly. Like I feel really happy. So good. And I just love these quick ways that, you know, life's going to happen. We're going to get deregulated. I know I do multiple times a day, but it's just nice that, to have these quick things that I can get back on track and be my centered self, which is my favorite. Because with heart math programs that I've took, what they're looking at is how to build capacity for resilience. Resilience isn't just how you bounce back, but it's how you prepare for and adapt in, and, and rebound in the face of change and stress. And they look at emotions like anger and frustration and all that. There's depleting emotions and they kind of take the gas out of the gas tank. And so by doing these little things throughout your day, you fill up that gas tank in your, like your capacity tank, you fill it up. So when something happens, cause everything is always going to happen. That's the only constant in life is change and chaos. Right. But then you can, you can handle that. And all these techniques, all this idea of rest and whatever, it's not. So there's an absence of activation. We will get activated. But it's how can you surf within that window of tolerance without resorting for something to numb you out or having a destructive behavior that could hurt someone you love. So good. So important. And I appreciate you sharing these super helpful tips of how we can get back on track. It's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Where can we find you? Can you let us know? So I have a website, somaticnursecoach.com and Instagram is at somaticnursecoach. So you can find me there. I do have a private studio 
that I work out of in the Northwest, in the Brentwood area in Calgary. And I've completed a holistic nurse coach program that is accredited through the Canadian Nurses Association to be in private practice. I do do coaching work and somatic work to help people struggling with health or mental health issues using like polyvagal theory and body work and sound healing. Also like the functional ends of helping people poop and detox their system. Amazing. Thank you again so much. Christy is such a beam of hope and light, and it was so great to share her story and her amazing resources with you. There were some really great takeaways. One, addiction isn't necessarily about being flawed, and we need to hold space for all of the addictions and behaviors. It's not just substance abuse, but there are other types of addictions that help us cope. And Christy talks about your mental obsessions and trauma, and the importance of how you can recognize those things. Two, it's important to actually feel. Christy has such great resources to help us allow all the feels and emotions, like sound healing and heart math, just to name a few. Because it's important to not just numb out our feelings with distractions that can be addictive. Three, we need to poop. Food Pooping, sleep, and rest are so important for all of us in terms of health and well-being. So Christy talks about pooping at least once, if not twice a day. Four, take small, manageable steps to create healthy improvements in your life. You don't have to just do it all at once and make massive changes because that can be super overwhelming. Christy talks about how rest and stillness can be uncomfortable, but It's just so important, especially to help deal with trauma that's going on in our world. And five, the heart coherence breathing that she introduces to us using heart math is such a helpful exercise. It's so easy and accessible for adults and kids. And you can do it laying in bed and every time you go to the bathroom throughout the day. Barbara and I felt so relaxed after we did it. And we hope that it makes you feel the same way too. I really hope you found this episode as helpful as I did. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you again for joining us today. We know how many other things you could be doing and it means the world to us that you're here. We hope you always get something valuable from our podcast and that you feel supported. If you have a question for us about our content or anything else, please leave it in your review of this podcast. Or you can send us an email or DM us on Instagram. We're here for you, so let us know what topics would be helpful and that you're interested in. You can join our membership by clicking on the link in the show notes. You are never alone in parenting, and we're here to support you at every stage. If you know anyone that would be inspired or supported by this podcast, please share it with them. We provide content every week, so please subscribe wherever you're listening from. If you leave a review, you'll have the opportunity to win a gift that we absolutely love. We're so excited about this giveaway. We only introduce brands to our community that align with our values. And Barbara and I both love the Now Tone Therapy System. This yoga for your mind is one of the most simple ways to relax, relieve stress and anxiety. The creators recommend listening twice a day for only three minutes to receive these benefits or to listen as often as you like. And if you buy them, there's a risk-free three-month trial period. What we like best about Now Tone Therapy System is that it's something everyone can make time for. My family likes to listen first thing in the morning and at the end of each day. 
It's the easiest and most relaxing path to mindfulness daily. We'll link to this amazing product in the show notes below. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time.